Welcome to Lifeology. I am James Miller, your host and a licensed psychotherapist. I'm looking forward to spending this time with you as we learn some pretty amazing life lessons. Let's get started. I would love to connect with you. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M Lifeology. I am also very active on Instagram and create many videos with quick tips and tools that you can immediately implement. Be sure to say hello and follow me there. There are thousands of amazing self-help books out there, but what happens when you're struggling at the moment and need help now? Well, my new book, Life Lessons, You Are the Experts on Your Life, a workbook, is your new go-to self-help book. I wrote it specifically for when you don't know how to overcome a challenge. Each chapter gives you a framework on how to tackle your situation. I help you focus on what already works for you. Your situation today may be different, but the emotions you're currently feeling, you felt them before, and you did something that helped you. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. This book is specifically written to help you overcome any obstacle you may face. Purchase your book, Life Lessons, You Are the Experts on Your Life, a workbook on Amazon or at your favorite bookstore. Once again, purchase Life Lessons, You Are the Experts on Your Life, a workbook on Amazon or at your favorite bookstore. When success meets social responsibility, you get Alessandro Tranco. Originally from Sicily, he arrived in America with only $5. His story will inspire you to reach beyond what you thought was possible to achieve your goals. Welcome to Lifeology. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me, James. This is going to be exciting. I have a couple of friends from Sicily. So uh, they're very, very precocious, very <laughs> interesting people. So I'm looking forward to speaking with you as well. Now, you were originally from Sicily, of course. Now, you came over when you were five years old. What brought you over to America? I did. You know, my, my dad uh, had come here a few times in his lifetime, and he thought this was a better opportunity for us mm -hmm. kids. And so he brought us over at a very young age. And um, it was amazing. But the, the thing that happened that was the craziest was James. At age 15, he moved us back. It was me, my older sister, my younger oh. sister. He moved us back to Sicily. I'm sure that's quite a change then to go from, to start to become acclimated to America and then go back to Sicily. How was that for you? Yeah, it, it was hard. And when we got back to Sicily, the school system in, in Italy didn't recognize all the American like school system things we had. So they wanted oh, no. to push us back three grades. Oh my gosh. Yeah. How so would it make sense? That. Yeah, of course not. How would that even make sense from a, I guess, a developmental standpoint? Because you'd be so much more mature than the other kids. It just didn't make any sense. They said, you don't know Latin, you don't know Greek. And they just had all these excuses of why they wouldn't put us in our appropriate grades. So we didn't go to school for about eight months. And then uh, I moved back to America by myself. My older sister came with me, but I went to live at a friend's house. She went to live at a friend's house. And if you could imagine your parents sending you back to mm. America with no credit card, no cell phone, Wow, $5. Um, and actually my mother sold her engagement ring to send us mm. back here. She knew there was no future in Sicily for us. And if we had stayed there any longer, like our whole life would have total, mm. totally turned out different. Wow. I mean, that's uh, to give you the opportunity by selling her wedding ring. That's yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> now yeah. to come back with $5, how, I, I, I can't imagine that. How was that for you? What, what, what were you experiencing? Yeah, it was it was hard. I mean, some of the stuff I blacked out. The human brain's pretty pretty yeah. amazing, but I don't remember mm. like who picked me up at the airport. I don't remember mm. enrolling in school, and you just sort of figured out. And it was it was the most challenging time in my life, but it's also what made me as an adult to be able to persevere, to be able to mm. look at challenges and say, how do I move forward? And you didn't yeah. really have a choice. You're you're here. You're by yourself. You have no money. 
um, you sort of figure it out. I went and got a job right away. I enrolled in school and it was, and we were here 18 months without our parents. It wasn't like it was wow. a month or two months. It was 18 months. Wow. And, you know, but during that struggle was really how I became like the drive inside of me mm -hmm. to succeed really happened in that, in that time yeah. period. So although it was really difficult, it was really hard. And I really can't imagine, like I have kids now, I can't imagine sending my 15 year old in another country with no money, no credit yeah. card and very little communication. So I give my mom a lot of credit for her wisdom yeah. and her courage in having yeah. to do that. Now, we all have former Brazilians, but obviously you were, not going to say forced, but you're put in a position where you yeah. could either thrive or you could not, th not thrive. So your options were, were simply that. Were there times when you're like, I just want to go back home. I don't really want to do this anymore. I just want to give up. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of those times and a, a few things helped. One, my older sister was a little more mature. She was only a year older. It's not when she was 16. Mm -hmm. um, but she said, we, we can't go back home because if we go back home, um, we're going to regret it for the rest of our lives. And so we had to, we had to stay. And then I had a couple of key, like older mentors. And I, I didn't know there were mentors mm -hmm. at the time, yeah. but like my, my football coach, uh, Andy Farragon took me in and in, in life, we need those people and they're, mm -hmm. they're really God sent. And mm -hmm. I don't know what I would have done with a few, few key people in my life that said, Hey, we, we can do this. You're not alone. Cause a lot of the time yeah. you just feel yeah. alone. And yes. again, it's not like today that you can send a text message or call. Um, mm -hmm. You just, there wasn't a lot of communication. So I felt most nights like I was alone and I was sad, but I knew that for the better of my life and my, and my family's future life, that I had to stick with it and I, and I had to just get through every day. What drew you towards becoming an entrepreneur? Um, Oh, I don't like to be told what to do. And so I think part of it was, <laughs> I don't really know if I could uh, work for someone, but in my opinion, it, you know, the entrepreneur world is the hardest thing to do, but also gives you what you want out of life. And, you, yeah. and it's up to you. It's up to you whether you're going to make it or not make it. It's up to you what kind of life you want to live, what kind of hours you want to work. And so I did have that wisdom, even as a 21 year old to say, I want to, I want to control my own destiny because mm -hmm. I knew my work ethic. I knew what I wanted to do as far as just doing something good for the world and helping people. And I just didn't want to go work a nine to five and somebody else determine the level of success and how I rose in the ranks of, of corporate America. And so it made, yes. it made sense for me. Well, it also makes sense in that you were 15 years old. You almost like an entrepreneur, meaning your, your life, you had to figure out what to do. And so no one told you what to do per se, but you had to figure it out. You found the resilience and you created a life for yourself. And so I think that lesson, the lessons you learned at that time really inspired you and probably helped you be a really successful entrepreneur as well. Yeah. And, and in a lot of ways, it was easier to be a successful entrepreneur than it was to be a 15 year old kid uh, in a foreign country with no sure. family and, and no money. So uh, even though it was difficult, it wasn't the most difficult thing I'd ever done in my life. Hmm. Yeah, that's fair. Comparing yourself from that 15 year old to now, what's different and what's the same? Yeah. So what's the same is my drive for life, the wanting to get better every day, um, knowing that this life can be so amazing with so many opportunities and, and knowing that uh, even though America has its faults, it's still the best country in the world. And, and we still have the, the best opportunities in the world. And again, it's not perfect, um, but it's a really good place to be. And so that's the same. What's changed is I have a new perspective on money. I have a new perspective. What does success mm -hmm. mean? You know, in my, in my younger days, it was, I just don't want to be poor. 
and money mm. is better than not having money. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of the money was used for an expensive car, or an expensive watch, or to make me feel mm. better about myself. And I think those of us that have been in that position, for the most part, James, we get there and we're like, well, there has to be more. Like it's yes. not fulfilling <laughs> to buy yeah. a new watch. It's not fulfilling yeah. to buy a new car. So it's really changed. My whole perspective is what is money for? And money is there mm -hmm. to help other people. Yes. And yes. I, I tell, I tell um, you know, young financial advisors this all the time. If you want to save the turtles, if you want to save the rainforest, you're going to need money. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if you make more money, if you become so successfully wealthy, there's so many things that you can do with it. Yeah. And you never know when, when mom or dad need an operation and the medical bills are overwhelming and they can't afford it. You never know yeah. whether a sibling is going through a divorce and they have no place to stay. You never know when one of your best friends is just down on, on their luck and you can, and you can give money and not worry about mm -hmm. like, how am I going to pay my bills because I'm helping this person out. And that's yeah. really changed my whole perspective on life is like, what is wealth for? What is money for? And not that we can't have nice things. I still of course, like yeah. nice things, but uh, I don't think we need four Rolexes. I don't yeah. think we need <laughs> five cards because um, yeah. it's not going to make you any happier. And, and I've interviewed a lot of people and that, mm -hmm. that is very consistent. Nobody ever tells me, well, when I buy that new pair of shoes, it makes me so happy for so long. It yeah. makes you happy for about 30 seconds. And then mm -hmm. you realize just another pair of shoes. Yeah. When I moved down here uh, to Florida from Washington, D.C., I had a really successful practice up there. I, I wanted to reinvent myself. I didn't want to be known for my accolades up there. So I came down here. I sold my fancy car and I bought a car that I would never buy. And I won't say what kind of car it is. It's a nice <laughs> car, but I would never buy this car. So I bought the car because I, I, I can either buy a car that I would usually buy or I could buy, you know, a, a really used different type of car. So I chose a different type of car because for me, I wanted to redefine what success meant, what quality of life meant. And so to do that, I, I, I bought this car and I, for a year and a half, I drove it everywhere. And every time people would be like, oh, that's an interesting car. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it is. And so, but for me, it was to reinvent myself because I realized as well, I can make a lot more money or I can choose not to. What, what affects my quality of life? And so for me, it was really about how did how to determine what does that mean? So I live down here on the ocean. I have a, I have a beautiful home and, I've, and I, I could make it a lot more money. I could make less money. But for me, it's more in a moment, how do I create quality of life for myself? But for you as well, how did you come up with that concept? Not come up with it, but how, what, what happened for you to be that, have the idea of wealth as far as just you want to have enough money for, to pay your bills? And then it transitioned into giving back. What happened in your life that, that taught you that lesson? I mean... The quick answer, I just wasn't happy. I just, I just felt like mm, I had okay. everything in life. But I just wasn't content. Mm. At age 48, I just woke up and I was like, something's got to give. Something has to be, something just has to be different. And so yeah. I spent so much time by myself, soul searching, meditating, yeah. um, doing yoga, breathing exercises, spending some time in the jungles, doing some, 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 some crazy, amazing stuff. And I just had this epiphany, like, what is life about? And that's what led me really to, to write my book, The Buddha Who Drove a Bentley, that talks about like what my life transformation was like. And it wasn't about money. That is, that's a part of it because we do need money, especially if you mm -hmm. want to you know, save the rainforest. Um, but it was more about family. And what does family really mean? Yeah. And it was about relationships. Like how, much, how many relationships do we take for granted? And mm. it was about like one of the biggest like, questions I couldn't answer is, 
I drive fast, I walk fast, I talk fast. And what I kept asking myself is, where are you going in such a hurry? Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. And James, I couldn't answer it. I was going nowhere <laughs> in such a hurry. Yeah. And, yeah. So, and so I just started like thinking about all these things that life is about. And, and it's, been, it's been amazing. And just the slowing down, just the enjoying a beautiful walk in nature, whether you mm. live in Alaska or Florida, the whole world is beautiful. And yeah. it may be different, whether it's sunshine or snow or wind or rain, but it's all beautiful. And so I spend so much time in the outdoors in the last couple of years, just enjoying the, like the awe of a sunrise mm. or mm. a sunset that most of us take for granted. We're like, oh, there's another yeah. sunset. But when you yeah. really sit there and you look at it and you're just, I, for me, it's just been like this discovery of how beautiful the world is. And one of the most beautiful animals are birds. Like watching a hawk fly, glide through the sky is not, it's just an amazing, they just glide. And how many of us just look at a bird and just don't even pay it a second? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For you, you're talking about, I'm assuming you're talking about mindfulness. So mindfulness is a, is a methodology of being present in the moment, being aware of your surroundings, anchoring yourself with your five senses to the event, to the moments, and not getting lost in your head. Is that something you practice as well to be able to sit, to watch the sunset and watch the birds? Yeah. Yeah. Every day um, I mm -hmm. meditate and just be still in the morning for about an hour, mm -hmm. in the afternoon for about an hour, at night for about an hour. And it's one of the most beautiful and, and just healing things I've ever done in my life. And people yeah. will say to me, well, how do you find time? And we have so much time. Uh, most of us spend Saturdays and Sundays watching sports. And you're not watching one game, you're watching three games. And all of a sudden, you're spending eight or nine hours in front of a TV. Uh, Netflix, and by the way, I do watch some sports. I do watch some Netflix. But the TV shows that now come on on Netflix, it's like it's four seasons, 12 episodes each. All of a sudden, you're yeah. watching a 170-hour movie, and you're like, well, I would never watch a 170-hour movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Think about it. Yeah. And so yeah. people are like, well, where do you have time to, to run your financial planning business, write a book? So we started a water company. I'm like, there's so much time in a day. It's mm -hmm. How are you choosing to spend that time? So the mindfulness yeah. and just seeing, just, just looking at the sunset is so therapeutic and healing. Less than two percent of people can actually multitask, and when they when they quantify or measure multitasking, what it basically means is is doing two two concepts or two aspects uh, that are very similar but in an opposite way. For example, speaking um, what would be a good example of that? Speaking Spanish and driving a car. Well, that's not. Can't come up with something off the top of my head here. Can't multitask. But the point is, is when we can't multitask. So if we try and multitask the different roles we play, so you're a father, you're a business person. In that moment, you are. To do both at the same time, you're not giving your full attention to to either one of those roles. And so the mindfulness component really helps you slow down to say, right now I'm a father, I'm talking to my children. Right now I am a, a financial analyst, I'm doing these different different things. And so I think that's one thing that most people don't realize is that the more we do, the less efficient we are. One of my favorite quotes is divided waters lose force. And in that moment, we do too many things, all of a sudden we don't have the efficacy or we're not as productive as we think we are. Yeah, I don't think you can multitask. I don't, I don't think it's a thing. I think people think they can, but yeah. they can't. And a good example is if somebody's on their phone and they're, they're sending a text and you're talking to them, they don't hear you at all. Yeah, I know. And it's just, they don't, we think we can multitask, but we're not. And what mm -hmm. we're doing 
is we're creating so much stress on our own body because we're trying to do all these yeah. things. We're not being authentic to anyone or anybody because we're not really paying attention. And it's just really hurting our culture. It really, and I think it's hurting the younger generation so much not to be able to connect with people one-on-one, not to be able to sit there for an hour or 30 minutes or 10 minutes and not be on their phone, not to have a dinner conversation mm-hmm. without your phone being present. Like there's something there that's so pressing that you need it. Yeah. And so I don't really believe in, in multitasking. And one of my favorite saying is like, be where your feet are. Mm, just, just be where your like feet that. are. Just in the moment. That, that's all we really have. Mm. And it's such a, James, it's such a hard thing to do, as you know, because society in the world is against us. They want yeah. us to multitask. You know, there's a yes. reason, I, I keep picking on Netflix, but there's a reason why the next show plays automatically without you mm-hmm. having to press a button. Because in that mm-hmm. state, you're just like a zombie and the next show comes on and you're not even realizing that it came on. And then at the same time, you're eating all this junk food that's going into your body. And so your body's energy gets lower. You're a zombie in front of the TV. And six hours later, it's like, wow, I really feel terrible. I need to go to bed. I'm really tired. <laughs> that's, that's very true. The, uh, we as humans, we default to, the, to the, the least amount of energy output. So for example, if you're laying on the couch and you want to do something later, the longer you lay on the couch, the more you default uh, to that lesser version of yourself if that doesn't have the energy output. In other words, you don't want to get up. And so that's why we're so tired throughout the day if we lay on the couch all day because of that. And so the point is, is to have any change at all. If you know that historically you do watch TV all day, just stand up. All we have to do is focus on the energy to stand up. And from there, you'll find a different perspective as you see the world, literally. But that allows you to do different things as well. So I do, I do agree with you that the it does allow for us to waste that time. Um, you know, going back to the whole aspect when people said, how do you find time for mindfulness? It doesn't have to be 20, 30 minutes. It can just be a, one minute, two minutes. Something as simple as let me look around my place. Let me use my, my five yeah. senses, my sense of sight, my sense of hearing, my sense of touch. And when I really anchor myself to my environment, it allows me to just sit here and be like, I really enjoy this. And that is a really quick way for people to reset, to, to be present in the moment, and then to do whatever the next task is that they have. Yeah, and what happened to me, and I, and I hope that it happens to you if you try it, like I really started enjoying those moments. I really started enjoying yeah. those moments of just walking outside and just looking at the trees and watching a yes. leaf fall from the sky. And I was like, wow, where, where's it been all my life? I've sort of missed it. And so I would ask the, the, the viewers, just try it on your own. Like, don't take my word for it, mm-hmm. but just mm-hmm. try it. Try for a week and see how you feel. Journal it. Like I went for a 10-minute walk mm-hmm. and I felt really really good because that gave me the motivation to spend more time doing it. And when something works for yourself, then it just gives you a little bit more like, all right, I'm going to try that again because it felt really good. I would say, try it, try it for yourself, but we are missing this beautiful place. It's, it's really beautiful outside. Most of us are missing it. When you discovered this, uh, I don't know how, I don't know how old your kids are right now, but when you discovered this, did you, did it change your parenting style at all? Yeah, a lot. Uh, my kids are uh, yeah. 19, 20, 22. Okay. But yeah, yeah. You're, you're more present. They, they, kids are so uh-huh. smart. They know that yeah. you're, you're more present. They know that you're not coming home from work and all of a sudden you're on your laptop or on your phone. So you come home from work, but you might as well stay at work. And so, mm. and, it's, and it's affected them also because they're more aware. They spend more time outdoors. Um, they're more aware of not having their, their phone because I don't have my phone. Mm-hmm. And again, they're mm-hmm. still kids and they're, they're, no, one, no one's perfect. They still have their moments. But yeah, it changed the whole family dynamic about 
how do we look at the outdoors? How do we look at slowing down? How do we look at treating each other? Um, yeah. So it's been it, it's been such a life changing um, like event for me, like all of this mm -hmm. findings that it's been incredible. And so now I can enjoy money. Now I can enjoy yeah. and really figure out who do I want to give to, and how do I want to be abundant, and how do I teach my kids that? And but without all this stuff, like the money doesn't doesn't make you happy. It really it really yeah. does not. I believe research states that people who anything over $70,000 per year, your happiness factor does not change. So people who make $70,000 or people who make $5 million a year, the, the happiness factor does not change. It's all the same because it, it, they usually say around $70,000, although that could be different with inflation now, but $70,000, that is something where people can pay their bills. They have, they have more than enough to, to feel comfortable. And so nothing changes. So keep that in mind, you know, whatever people, whatever people make, just know that happiness is determined upon what you, how you perceive the world around you, the gratefulness yeah. that you have, the things that you do have, as opposed to things you do not have. Yeah. And I can tell you, there's amazing people out there. We, we always think that all these people in the world are corrupt or evil. And, and I talk to so many um, like cab drivers and Uber drivers. And I got to tell you, for the most part, they have amazing stories. They're really mm -hmm. great people and how they're working and what, what countries they come from. And, and so yeah, let's like let's connect with people one on one. Let's let's really and you can have such a meaningful conversation in the back of a cab. You really can if you have twenty minutes yeah. or twenty five minutes to get their life story and how did they get that cab and where did they come from. So it's just been it's just been such an awakening for me and 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 my goal is like can we get more people on that path? Can we get more people connecting yeah. with with each other in in these types of conversations, not through some sort sort of social media? And the social media has its place. It's it can be really good. Yeah, of course, used in, yeah. in the right assets. Yeah. Well, you spoke earlier about the book that you wrote. We have a couple more minutes. Why don't you tell me more about that? Yeah, so the, the book, uh, The Buddha Who Drove a Bentley, was, was basically a book that came from really our conversation here, but it really came from God wants us to be bountiful. God wants us to That's be right. super, super wealthy, but it's for the right reasons. It's to give mm -hmm. back and, 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 and to help others. And so this book kind of brings uh, this character, Vincent, but after a couple of minutes, you realize... Uh, Vincent is me about this journey of the mistakes he's made and the forgiveness yeah. he's had to give to himself, which has been the hardest thing for Vincent to do is to forgive himself for the mistakes that he's made. And so he has a near-death experience. He ends up in this beautiful place and he meets all these people along the way that teach Vincent a lesson about life. And at the mm. end of the book, Vincent has a decision to make. Does he stay in this beautiful place that he knows is probably heaven? where he meets all these amazing people or does he come back to earth and, and, and try to give these, this message to people that are willing to listen. And so wow. at the end, Vincent has a message. He has a decision to make and what is he going to do? But he basically learns these lessons that now mm -hmm. are going to make the rest of his life really amazing. And not that he's not going to make mistakes and not that he's not going to fall mm -hmm. down, but now he has the tools on how to live such an amazing life and that's why it was yeah. buddha who drove a bentley mm -hmm. um yeah. and it's been it's been a really just an amazing experience me writing it and then almost daily i get a message from someone that says hey i read the book chapter 15 was so incredible for me um and so that that's been that's been really fun for I me to, just to read and it really makes my day
Yeah. Congratulations. You know, just thinking about that decision, do you stay in heaven or do you come back? That's a tough one. <laughs> I'm sure on some days, some days we have certain decisions and other days we choose and have a different choice. But yeah, that would be a tough, yeah. tough choice to make at times. Tough choice to make. Especially when you <laughs> well, congratulations all your, yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, congratulations on all your success. Alexander Tronco, yeah. if my viewers and listeners want to find out more, more information about you and purchase your book, where will they find all this information online? So you can go to the Buddha who drove a Bentley.com. You can go on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Um, that book is being sold everywhere. And I'd love to hear from you. If it's impactful to you, um, I'd love to get a message from you that, that, that tells me that. Um, and then let's spread, let's, let's spread the love that this world needs more than ever. And that's what life is about. That's right. My viewers and listeners also know that if you can't find this information in any other place, simply go to the show notes at jamesmillerlifeology.com and I'll link you with Alessandro Tronco and his book as well. Have a wonderful day. Thanks, James. I also want to thank you, my listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you join me today. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for the free weekly recap, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, and purchase my previous guests' self-help products. If you'd like to work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support, and I'll talk to you soon.